All right, this is our first episode with uh, New Sign. Yeah, shout out to Kyle Cooper with Light It Up. Check out Light It Up on Facebook. Kyle, thank you for this beautiful sign. We've got an episode coming out with Kyle, so we're a little bit out of order here, but um, it was cool. But hey, we had, a, we had a big weekend, huh? Yeah, we did. I think you did. Did I have a big weekend? I, I definitely had a big weekend. You ready to talk about it? Yeah, let's I told do you it. that we had to do a whole episode. Not a whole episode, but I wanted to talk about seeing Motley Crue, who is my favorite band. And I got to see them yesterday on Sunday, August 13th, at the Charles Schwab Stadium Arena in Omaha, Nebraska with Alice Cooper and Def Leppard. And uh, it was a good night. So I think this is the third time I've seen Motley Crue live, and I was going to tell you about it. So the first time I ever saw him, um, I was in high school, and my friend, it was on my friend's birthday, and his parents got us tickets because they knew that that was like our favorite band. This is in, I don't even know, 2011, 2012. And I knew, so it was New York Dolls, Poison, and Motley Crue. And I knew that if I asked my mom or my dad, hey, can I go see Motley Crue? Um, they would tell me no. So I'd said, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to stay the night at Adam's for his birthday. And my mom's like, what are you guys going to do? And I said, we're going to go see the movie Planet of the Apes. Now, I was not an angel in high Planet, school. Planet of the Apes with Mark <laughs> yeah. Wahlberg? No, not that. No, no, I'm not that old. It was the one in, I don't know, whichever one came in. No, that was the, the new one, the Mark Wahlberg one. Doug, the Mark Wahlberg one came out in like 99. No. Yeah, it did. There was another Planet of the Apes. There was like after? three of them. Yeah. How did you not catch that? Yeah, there was. So <laughs> what? Yeah, I, we'll have to talk about the. We'll, I've never we'll, seen a Planet we'll have to of look the Apes. That up. Yeah. So not um, a fan. I wasn't an angel, but like I never would. I never lied to. Like I never would tell my mom like, oh, I'm gonna be here and I was gonna be someplace. Like I just, I never did that. Like, I was pretty honest about where I was going. But I couldn't. I couldn't risk them telling me no to see Motley Crue. So I, in this situation, I lied. And so you betrayed them. I did. And I had asked my brother initially, my older brother, I was like, uh, Justin, can I come with you? And he goes, no, you're too young to see Motley Crue live. And so um, he was going to be there, though. And I was pissed at him. Um, he's older than me by like 11 or 12 years. And um, I, was, I was mad that he, he didn't offer to, like, to bring me with him, right? So I'm going there with my friends, and I'm thinking, all right, all I got to do is not see my brother. And we're going to be in this giant stadium, so this should, not, this should not be a problem at all. I just need to not see my brother because he'll dime me out to my parents probably. So sure enough, we're sitting there right before the show starts. I look over and 20 feet away, my brother is standing there. Uh, he went with his... Uh... Was he staring at you like this? <laughs> no. No, he never saw me. And so the whole show, I was like rocking, but like at a weird angle, kind of trying to hide behind my friends. The whole show, he didn't see me. And I never told him for... Um, up until just a few years ago. And I was like, dude, I was at that show. And he thought I was lying. And I'm like, no, I have like a teacher. I was there and I told him the story. And he's like, nah, you're, you're full of shit. I'm like, dude, I'm being serious. So anyway, then he and I went um, kind of not the, the, the last time they were in Omaha, he and I went and Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper opened up for, uh, for that one as well. And that was dude, cool. Is Alice Cooper always there? How was he this time? He's a Sunday school teacher. Oh, dude, he is. Is he? Does he actually teach Sunday? I know he's yeah. a Calvinist. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he teaches uh, Sunday school in Arizona. 
Dude, he's he's really consistently good. He's like 76 years old, put on a good show. He had three guitarists. I don't know why you need three guitarists. He had Nita, one of the most famous guitarists. Uh, he had a dude who kind of looked like uh, Johnny Depp, basically looked like Jack Sparrow, but playing guitar. Sounded good both times. Uh, my friends, the I had some friends who went uh, when he was in Omaha with Motley, and um, Alice was their favorite part of the night, actually. Like, that's how well he did. He did good last night. Um, Def Leppard was was uh, great as well. I was surprised at how many Def Leppard shirts there were there, and I started to realize, I'm like, well, these guys are from another country, so globally, Def Leppard potentially is, might even be a bigger band than Motley Crue. Wait, what, uh, what country is Def Leppard from? Oh, um, I'm going to say like New Zealand or Australia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it, though, because otherwise people are going to be screaming. Um, I, I'm going to look it up. But um, but anyway, yeah, there was a lot of uh, the band is an English rock band, so I guess Britain. What, what is their new wave British? Wait, metal. that's the dude without the arm, right? Yes. Was he there? Oh yeah. Was he and he just does one arm? I style? couldn't tell if or he does was, he have prosthetic. He he plays at one arm, and I couldn't tell if he was like having a great time or if he was in pain because every time they like pulled the camera to him, he was like. And I'm like, I can't tell this dude is in like, is like really enjoying it because he had that like where you're not sure if it's a smile or. If well, how like, old is he to be playing the drums with one? Dude, arm? all these guys are in their like 60s, 70s. But I mean, he's like, do they have a drum kit going bef- behind him? Um, no, he just that was like why you know like that's why like they're the like an insp- yeah they're an inspirational band. I think they all kind of went through some crap. I mean um rick allen is his name and yeah he he gotten in that accident It'd be and, cool if he played with one of the drumsticks in his mouth and <laughs> now nah, he just learned how to do it uh with, with the one hand and uh and it was good dude it's not like you were sitting there like oh this guy is clearly uh so monley crew has sold 100 million albums worldwide all right pull up, let's see what def leppard pulled and I'll say this too: people were singing like every lyric of the def leppard song and were so into it and um I was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I know a lot of Def Leppard stuff, but I, I, I was like, oh, this kind of makes sense. Hundred million. million. Wow. Oh. See, dude, they were there was like I said, it was about neck and neck, about about equal Def Leppard shirts to Motley Crue shirts. And I'll say this too: there was a lot of like Kid Rock and Steel Panther shirts. And guys, you kind of got to know your audience when you're going out somewhere because there's beef with Kid Rock and uh, and, and Def Leppard with Motley. And, what do you uh, mean? How does how does Kid Rock have beef with uh, dude? He punched Tommy Lee in the face because they married the same chick. Oh the Pamela. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the MTV Music Awards. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. I don't know if they're. I, don't I mean, know if don't you cool kind now. of uh, respect Kid Rock for that? Um, Taking on one of the the Motleys. Yeah, I yeah. mean he's you know I mean these guys. You just showed me a video. Yeah, yeah. I, they. I mean. They'll, they were they'll throw always, it down, I mean, dude. they were always like killing people, and, <laughs> like right in auto wrecks. Vince Neil, no, but here's the deal: manslaughtered dude. someone, and they were like, "Yeah, but here's the deal with that. Here's the deal with that, is that um, that's probably why he's so tortured." Well, dude, his he also had a daughter that died. I mean, here's the thing with that auto wreck though: was that um, Vince Neil's ex-wife even was like, "I don't think she's like Vince wasn't drunk when he was driving," because I don't think. It's it's California, so you already know how it is, right? Those are narrow streets. It was raining. And Vince Neal said that like after the accident, the cops ran up to the car and were like, his car reeks of booze. And he's like, 
yeah, we went out to buy booze. That's why, it, like, all so those... So it spilled everywhere. Yeah, so he's like... Because Vince basically said, he's like, I wasn't drunk. Like, he just said it was it was bad weather. It was a tight road. And he had crossed that... The, the center line got crossed or whatever. Um, now, obviously, the story that people... The p- way people remember it is that he was drunk. But like I said, even his ex-wife was like, I wouldn't have let him drive if he was drunk. So I'm skeptical about that. But yeah, they're the bad boys of rock and roll. And, and you know, they have that that reputation for a reason. Now there was also a guy with a mega hat on and I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if Molly Crew is the place to bring your make America great again hat. Dude, <laughs> like, it, maybe it, leave that one at home. It is when you're a guy who just wants to fight. Again, yeah, cuz he was know. probably like say something. <laughs> say something to me. So here's what I was worried about though is that every time you go see a show like that, I've always had goofy drunk people who kind of ruin it because then you start having to worry about them acting a fool. Like the last time I saw them, there was a drunk chick who was dancing and this drunk guy came up to me and was like tapping me and he's like, yeah, you like that? You like that? And it's like, when I'm seeing Motley Crue live, I'm like the kid from A Christmas Story who, when he's about to meet Santa, like that's the focus I have. And I'm like, sir, just please leave me alone because Again, this and he was grinding on you. No, he was. This girl was dancing in front of me, and then he kept tapping me and asking me if I liked it. And it's and he was going like, "I'm like, "Mm, that's not. No, sir, sir, please stop talking to me." Wait, was this assigned seating, or could you go wherever you wanted? Uh, the the last couple times I've seen him, last few times I've seen him, it was assigned seating. So yeah, it was just some dude standing next to me. So I was kind of worried about that. Um, just people being obnoxious. The, and then um, the band walked by us the last time I saw him, and this drunk guy screamed and like tried to jump over a security guard and like knock Tommy into my brother and I, basically. And so that was weird too. So you got Tommy. So yeah, my brother, my brother touched him, and uh, we were excited about that. So caught anyway, him, uh, caught him like in a Roman. Yeah, where, like, he, he got him. And then they, He's, he, and Tommy's like, "Whoa, bro!" He saved Tommy's life. So, um. So anyway, I was a little bit worried about who we were going to be sitting by. And so we, we get there and I see like a father with his daughter who's, you know, like early 20s. And I'm like, okay, they're going to be cool. Guy in front of us, um, you know, uh, father and son, uh, son in his 20s, people next to us, husband and wife. Um, and so then the people, the other, like who filled the rest of the row in front of us though, and I was so relieved, were old school lesbians like lesbians in their mid 40s to mid 50s and nobody wants to have a good time but keep to themselves like old school lesbians like you put me in a function there's two demographics of people that I kick it with right away just naturally been this way since I was a kid black dudes and old school lesbians when were you around old school lesbians as a kid what do you mean since dude when I was in high school like one of my best friends was a lady I work with and she was old school lesbian so I've always just one of your best friends was an old lesbian yeah in high school was she like the librarian no no I just worked with her and she was cool called her grandma where did you work with this is (laughs) where did you work with her at at a restaurant in fremont so they serve pies there they did did she make the pies no she didn't make the pies but how about uh, at the so did the two old school lesbians did they have short hair yeah was it gray talking about like at the show or uh they all had short hair but it wasn't gray they're they're in their 40s were they were they plump? We're playing guess who? No, they weren't, dude. They, dude, again, you put you you gotta think, man. Like, got those like old school like lesbians from the nineties. Like, those are those are a cool crowd to chill with. Did they have scars on their face? No, 
No, dude. You said nineties. For some reason, I picture nineties lesbians. Nah, being not, no, no, dude, not at all. You gotta get, you Maybe gotta get with fight. the crowd, man. They, uh, like I said, I was instantly relieved because I'm like, okay, they will, they're gonna have a good time and they're gonna keep to themselves. They're not gonna turn around and like bother me or whatever. Um, they sat down to girls, 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 which was a little bit odd because that's kind of their song. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so I was, so we had cool people that we were sitting around there, and it was it started a downpour. Uh, during Alice Cooper set and there was like one like drunk wine mom there who kept turning around and going like to everybody and again like I don't want to talk to her and she like this isn't a team sport by the way when you go to a concert like just watch the band don't you you don't need to make friends um and she kept like looking around and was like ah what is it and and it's like okay someone get their mom please and just have her watch the show and not try to like make this a group activity um, but besides that, um, it, it was all, all of that was cool. Uh, like I said, the, the crowd is cool. The people around us were cool. Um, and so, uh, so did Vince Neil come out and just start squealing like a little piggy who can't breathe? Uh, he, he was, uh, a he's, he's always doing his best. He's always, uh, he was always doing his best. Uh, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> so we, he did. So Ryan Roxy of Alice Cooper uh which i tried to get him on and uh, never heard back from their management ryan you bastard i still love you though please come on our show um he was great uh again alice cooper's guys were all great def leopard they they sounded amazing the other thing though i don't know what i was going to say with the crowd is uh generally like not always but generally 45 to 55 year olds are the absolute worst people at concerts they always act a fool and I think it's because they're just like wound a little bit too tight. And so it's their one night to kind of let their hair down. And everywhere, every time that there's a concert where you have that, I've just noticed it's been horrible. Like I went and saw G-Love in the special sauce and two dudes in their 40s got in a fight in front of me. And one dude smashed a pint glass over the side of the other dude's head. And the dude was just that like was awesome. standing there just like bleeding the rest of the show. Like how horrible of a person do you have to be to smash a pint glass on someone's head at G-Love in the special sauce? Have you ever listened to G-Love? No. Very chill music. Uh, so I was a little bit worried about that because that's kind of the crowd that, that turns up there. But at least where we were sitting at, um, people didn't act a fool. But dude, when Molly came out, it was so awesome that the security guard like stopped what he was doing, like stopped doing securitying, and just started like recording the show, <laughs> which I've never seen a security guard just like pull out his phone <laughs> and start and start like, recording. Their, their entrance was awesome. Just hey, I think he's just pumped to see them. They came out to uh, I believe Wildside was their first song. Okay. And the, I think the dude just the got, best the best concert intro that I've ever seen is uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, California Cation Tour, and then the Foo Fighters open for him. Wow, you saw this live? Yeah. Wow. At the Civic Auditorium that used to be in Omaha before okay. they tore it down, there was no assigned seating. It was just general admission you know, fight for the best spot. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. And so the Foo Fighters go on, then it's black, you know, uh, changing bands, and you can't see anything, and all of a sudden you just hear, doom, 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 na 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 and then Anthony Kiedis is like, ah, in the place, and all around the world, we can make time, ropping in a stomach because I'm in my prom. It was Born in the north. It was the best. It <laughs> yeah. was the best intro, like just the slow bass. The yeah. Like you knew what was coming. It was so good. 
That yeah, that sounds and, like a and Anthony Kiedis. Um, he he was able to breathe, <laughs> which is always a plus from yeah. your singers. Yeah, that's that's a that's always a good thing. Uh, I'll say too, you know, it's being with my. I like going to shows like that with my brother too because. When I go out with my wife, I'm always a little bit on edge about like if someone's going to be weird and grab her or something like that. But when you go to a show with your brother, like if someone grabs your brother's ass, then you're just like, ha ha, he grabbed you because he knew you'd like it and it would be like really funny. But if your wife, if someone grabs your wife's ass, you got to like punch him and go to jail and have a whole ordeal. Yeah, it's never... yeah there's no, so, um, so then you, you can kind of deescalate there too. So, so they play and, and dude, my brother... When it comes to Motley Crue Live, my brother is an autist. He just wants it to be like us and Motley Crue. Like he does not want other people around. So he is getting annoyed by like anybody there who has better seats that doesn't look like they should have better seats than us. Like if they don't look like uh, like dudes in like button up polos and it's like, why are you here? Get out of here. So anyway, my, my brother just wants, uh, like I said, he, he would love it if it was just us and Motley Crue. So, um, he goes up front to try to get past towards like the end. And the security lady is like, nope, turn around and go back. So he comes back. He's like, ah, man, I was going to try to get us closer. Well, then on their last song, like right as they're kind of wrapping it up, my brother's like, let's go, let's go try it. And I'm like, uh, are you sure this is a good idea? Like typical older brother, little brother, like, oh, I don't know about this, Justin. And uh, I'm like, are you sure? We're just going to get kicked back. And he's like, now nah, let's try it. So we go up there and the same security lady, she's my brother. And she goes, all right, you can go through now. And so we're like, thank you. And so we run up and we run up to like the stage and Nikki Six uh, takes this thing with guitar picks and he throws it up in the air. And my brother like dives over all these people and just starts grabbing them. And I'm just standing there kind of like looking around. And a couple minutes later, he comes out of this, um, uh, out of this doggy pile. And, and I'm like, uh, did you get any? And he's like, yeah, I got a couple. So he gave me, uh, he, he grabbed some picks for us. Uh, so I got a couple picks. So that was awesome. Um, but the whole night, and I mean, leading up to this, and you know this, I've been trying hard to uh, to get backstage, to meet him, to, to get something going there. And I knew someone um, kind of within the realm of the band, not like some dude rigging lights, but somebody who kind of had access to the band who was going to be there. And I was like, can you get us back there? Can you, can you hook us up? And he's like, nah, I can't. I can't do that. And so I talked to that guy at the show, though, and he said, well, hey, if you want to meet them, uh, this is where they're going to be afterwards. And uh, maybe just hang out there and you might get a chance. And so I was talking to my brother. I'm like, should we do it? We looked up where they were going to be. And was, it was it a hotel or yeah, a bar? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a hotel. So it was like 20 minutes. It was a 20-minute walk from where we were. And I was like, dude, they're probably going to go straight back afterwards. So you know, let's, let's just uh, go down there. And my brother's like, it's a 20 minute walk, man. And it's like, Hey, podcasting is my full-time job. So I got nothing but time. And my brother has, uh, had the day off of work today. So he's like, let's do it. So, uh, we go back, uh, we walk, uh, it's like I said, like a 20 minute walk and we get to the spot and we're just kind of standing there. And, um, my brother is kind of, I'm like, well, there's another side. What if they go the other side, whatever. So my brother kind of walks around the building and I'm standing there and I was going to follow him. And then I stop and I see this black SUV pull up and I'm like, oh, that's, that's got to be somebody. So I, I get my phone out and I, the SUV door opens and Nikki Six's wife gets out and I know it's her. So I call my brother and um, 
I'm like, he answers. I'm like, hey. And then right as he answers, Nikki Six gets out of the SUV. And I'm like, I'm standing by Nikki Six right now. And he's like, bullshit. And I'm like, dude, I'm being serious. I'm right by Nikki Six. And he's like, nah, you're lying. And I'm like, dude, I am being serious. And I hang up on him. And so Nikki's wife like sees me and I'm like, and, and I'm trying to play it cool. But Were you dude, behind a bush? Uh, pretty much, yeah. No, I was, I, I was standing by the entrance. So to pause, dude, here's why Nikki Six like means so much to me. I was always like kind of a scared kid in a lot of ways. And when I read his books, for one, it made me never experiment with drugs because I, th- I thought it'd be counterproductive. But it helped me find my own identity. And it helped me to not care about what other people think. And so when I grew my hair out, and uh, like I grew my hair out in high school and I dyed it and stuff like that. And I would be like driving or I'd be out in public and people would call me the F word and not the F-U-C-K word, but the other word. Um, you know, people would what, drive by. your hair was long? Yeah. And pe- you colored yeah. it pink? No, it wasn't pink. It was just like real platinum blonde, real blonde, um, almost white. And um, people would drive by and like yell like slurs like that at me. And I remember like it was like a badge of honor because I knew that the same thing happened to them. And if these cool dudes could talk about like in their books they could talk about you know maybe being bullied or or not fitting in and not always feeling cool um it just like really it it helped me a lot in high school to just be myself and be okay with with who I was and so there's just so much depth that dude at one point I tweeted Nikki Six and when I was a senior and he responded and I was literally happy for two weeks straight, like any, like every time I thought about it, I was like in a good mood for two weeks straight. Like no matter what happened for those two weeks, if I thought about the fact that Nikki had interacted with me, I was happy. Right. So, um, then what happened after the two weeks? So then it was right back to normal life. So I see Nikki and he sees me and I, was I was wearing a hat. He was cowboy hat. Yep. He was with Did, a, like kind of had a feather in it. Was he sleeveless? Um, that's a good question. He's wearing shorts. He's wearing shorts though. And um, so I'm looking at him and uh, I didn't want to ask him for a picture. I didn't have anything for him to sign. And I didn't really want to ask him for a picture because I didn't, I didn't want him to say no. Because if he were to say no, I'd, that would have hurt my feelings. So, um, so his wife goes in and then he goes and he looks at me and I just go, hey. And he goes, hey. And he keeps walking. And um, I was just like, wow. And then my brother comes up and I'm like, dude, I just saw, and like, he didn't even believe me still. Like, he's like, no, nah, you didn't. I'm like, dude, I'm being, and then he, cause my brother saw like other Motley Crue fans in the area. And he's like, they would be freaking out if Nikki Six came by. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man. So then the, the driver kind of had to hang out a bit. And, um, I start talking to this driver cause uh, I knew, uh, Tommy Lee and John Five were going to be coming this way too. So we were like, let's wait for Tommy and John Five. And this is at 1130 midnight, maybe could be later even and so i start talking to the driver and uh i was like was nikki cool he's like oh yeah nikki was cool nikki was cool and um and so i go uh he's like most most guys are pretty cool and i'm like who's the coolest guy you've ever drove for and he goes "Mm, bruce springsteen and i'm like really he goes yeah he goes uh my daughter had a baby when i was driving bruce springsteen and i was all excited and i told him so he played me this voice memo that bruce springsteen had left for him on his phone and he's like dude Bruce got my number. He texts me once a month and says, how's my granddaughter doing? Because he jokes that it's his granddaughter. He's like, he bought her stock in Disney, sends her presents, and like keeps in touch with this. What? Yeah. I was like, whoa, I did not expect that. And I go, 
who's the biggest asshole? And he goes, Garth Brooks. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it was, dude. Oh. I totally knew it. It's I because totally. he's schizophrenic. Dude, I've seen Remember Garth Brooks. Chris Gaines, he's schizo. I've seen Garth Brooks. Uh, Wait, no, but he is the people's man. He is the people's champ. Hey, man, I'm just like you. I'm just like now you, I man. Now I don't even care what Bruce Springsteen's politics are. I know that's kind of like. I don't even care that he was like, I'd like, I mean, he bought her stock in Disney. Yeah, dude. That's amazing. Maybe it really is his kid. He's a, <laughs> his granddaughter. Uh, he was but, actual uh, child. But like, and uh, so he said Gene Simmons was cool. Like he said it was one of his first jobs was driving Gene Simmons. And so he's got Gene Simmons. And this guy was cool because he had like a full-time job. Like I was like, what do you do besides this? And he told me, and I'm like, so you just do this for fun? He's like, yeah. Um, but he said like one of his first driving gigs was with Gene Simmons. And this guy was obviously a fa- Like he was a older guy. So he was not like old, old, but probably his fifties. So um, he's a fan of all this music, right? So one of his first jobs, he's driving Gene Simmons. And he said Gene was awesome. He said, he's like, yes, sir, no, sir. And um, was kind of being quiet. And he said, Gene goes, why the hell are you Midwest people so quiet? How the hell am I supposed to learn about Nebraska if you don't talk to me? And he's like, well, it's my job, sir. And he's like, well, talk to me, man. And so, that, so that was cool. Um, what did he say? What did, did he say why Garth Brooks is the worst? He, I kind of was, I kept, prodding him on it because my family loves Garth Brooks. So I've seen Garth Brooks live more times than anybody else because I always, because I, I always go with them. And, um, I was kind of prodding on it. He didn't really, he didn't really say, he didn't get too specific. He said it was just kind of like Garth got in the car and he's like, how was the show? And Garth was like, another show. And it was just kind of standoffish like that. But he did say, and I know you specifically will love this story. He said, George Strait was awesome. He said, He's driving George Strait, and George Strait is on the phone with his wife. And his wife's like, the ice machine's not working, and you need to fix it. And George is like, well, just call a repairman up and have him fix it. And his wife is like, I know you can fix it. And he said, George looks at him and is like, no, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's all the same, man. <laughs> Damn it. So, so I There thought- is no hope. <laughs> There's no hope. I figured that once you get the... The money you just have people fix no. it, and the wife's like, "No, you will be fixing the ice machine." Yeah, so I, I would love to interview George Strait too. I, I love that guy, but um, yeah, he said he said George Strait was awesome. So I was just kicking it with the with the driver, and I think it wasn't until like my brother heard the driver talk that my brother was like, "Oh wow, he actually did meet." Nick. And I actually feel where guilty. was your brother? He went around the hotel because he was thinking, "Well, what if they go to the other side?" And I felt like genuinely guilty that I got to see and say hi to Nikki and my brother didn't because, you know, my brother's been listening to Molly Cruz since he was a kid long before I was born. So anyway, um, so we're hanging out and then, uh, and then finally we see this SUV. We're like, that's them. So they pull up and uh, out comes uh, John Five's wife. And my brother's like, that's John Five's wife. And then um, uh, Brittany, uh, Tommy's wife, gets out with their dog. And then, uh, we, and then Tommy comes out. And my brother and I just stand there staring at him like, oh, and um, they start walking and I'm like, my brother and I are both like, hey, guys, thanks for a great show tonight. Great show, guys. And Tommy's like, oh, yeah, hey, thanks. And then um, this girl runs up and she's like, Tommy, will you get a picture with me? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's going to take pictures. So then I'm like, Tommy, will you take a picture with us? And he kind of just turned around and went to the hotel, which is fine. Um, it was because you were not a girl. Yeah, that, that's exactly that's, it. So, so <laughs> that's exactly it, dude. He, he saw my beard. Yeah, like uh, I shaved this. Uh, I shaved off some of my beard this morning, but it was thick. So he's probably like, "What are these 
no. <laughs> like, so, uh, so then uh, they kind of like left John Five just standing there, and so John Five's got a John Five's got a guitar on his back and a bag of Skinny Pop popcorn, and um, I turn around and I'm like, John, will you take a picture of us? And he's like, Yeah. So um, I have this guy, uh, some guy standing by, takes my brother's picture with John and I, and um, this girl comes up and she's like. Can can I get my picture with you guys? And my bro- and we're like, uh, maybe just like wait, and then you can get a picture with John by yourself. And my brother's like, I got a couple of your guitar picks. And John's like, Oh, I got another one. And he like opens his hand, and the girl just like grabs it out of his hand. We're kind of like, okay. Uh, and so yeah, John was cool. Um, Tom, they they were all in like good moods. Um, you never quite know what to think. Like I was terrified that I was gonna be like, Hey, Tommy, great show tonight, and he'd be like, Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, like, like I was joking with my brother. I'm like, what if we like my brother had on a Motley Crue shirt, and I'm like, what if you were like, great show tonight, guys? And I'm like, what if Tommy stopped and was like, you think you're a fan? <laughs> you think you deserve to have that shirt on? Like rips the shirt off my brother and like makes fun of him, like r- r- like makes fun of his style. And I'm did like, he, did, he, <laughs> did he look rough? Uh, he's an old school rocker. Um, he uh. He kind of looked like old school lesbian, to be honest. But anyway, like, is he turning into like a Steven Tyler? No, he just had like the like short the hair. And he aunt? just had the short. Dude, Tommy's been through a been through a lot, man. Uh, in all seriousness, so I mean, he he looks actually. Um, no, he doesn't necessarily look rough. Like he he is uh what sixty. Um, he's he's sober now, so he look he actually looked pretty. Did healthy. you yell? Remember when your son knocked you out? <laughs> no i no i didn't dude you're gonna ruin my chance of ever getting an interview with these guys no what i mean like i i know it's uh you're gonna you're gonna blow it for me yeah i don't uh, have i don't have anything to say i was to like counter that i'm just like yeah i might i, I was, might blow but I, I might be the reason i might be able to to work know, something out so to my i was joking with my brother though i'm like what if he I'm like double-edged sword <laughs> yeah. i'm like what if he would have like ripped your shirt off and then afterwards you like call your wife she's like how was it like, um we gotta meet tommy uh didn't go exactly to plan but uh it was okay but um no it was it was awesome it was just a, it was a good experience that it, you know um nikki was cool uh you know said hi can't ask for anything more than that and that's probably the interactions they want to right like they like he knew I was a fan. It's blatantly obvious, right? So I'm sure in their mind they probably would rather have the guy that just says like, "Hey," doesn't ask for anything from him, doesn't ask for the picture or whatever. Obviously, I asked Tommy for a picture, but it's only because I thought I had a chance. Um, but yeah, I got the picture with John Five. Um, but yeah, dude, it was a uh, it was an. He adventure. just totally cold shouldered you and looked over. <laughs> <laughs> who nah, are these? Was... Who are these dudes? But jo- dude, and then like John Five. Uh, I mean John Five. Played for David Lee Roth, played uh, for Manson and some of like Manson's peak years in the nineties. Uh, played with uh, did he Rob dress Zombie. up as a weirdo? Did he drink his own pee? I don't know if he drank his own pee, but I think he did dress up like a weirdo for for Manson. I think but, they drank uh, each other's pee. Wow. Well, we'll I wonder if it him. was John. Was is he named after Short Circuit Johnny Five? Stay no, alive? he uh, he's. He said that his first meeting with Manson, Manson was like, "Your name is John Five now," and he's just kind of kept that. Uh, moniker or whatever um so hey, yeah why, why did manson name him john i don't know i think it's after short circuit you've seen that movie right no johnny five uh-uh from the 80s short circuit with the robot Mm-mm. with the eyes i know what you're talking like i know the robot but yeah yeah but um i did because one of the guys i'm kind of interviewing in prison was like if you ever go to a concert can you record it for me so i was 
I was recording it and then I felt kind of weird doing it. So I turned around to the guy behind me and I was like, um, sorry for recording. I just, I got a friend in prison and he asked, um, me to record some of the show for him. And then I instantly like regretted saying anything. Cause I'm like, I probably should have just, who did you tell that to the guy behind me? Cause I felt bad. Like, cause I kept putting my phone up and I was afraid it was like blocking his so view. So you said you were recording it to your friend in prison for my friend in prison. Which, and then which prison friend the, uh, he's on death row. And I, then I, I instantly was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have, uh, shared that information with the stranger behind me. Um, but yeah, dude, it was a it was a cool show. I was just happy about it all. Um, we didn't then, even talk about Vince Neil though. So he came out and he was dude. I can't. I'm not. Time. I can't bomb on Vince on the podcast because I love him so much. Um, Vince Neil. Uh, no, I mean I like uh, out of shape chubby <laughs> Vince Neil that only sings every other word. I prefer that. Like I would rather see that than them in their prime. <laughs> Why? Because it's awesome. And he has that distinct voice and it's just like hey, how am I? Yeah. yeah, Vince um I don't know from the I like it. the vibe I got from the people in the know from the people backstage is uh things might be a little bit tense um with them. Um sounds like Vince just flew home. Like he didn't he didn't stay in Omaha like the other guys are. Uh, he's out. He's outie. Those guys are always they their their beefs are always like interchangeable. Like Nikki and Tommy will get into it, um, and then Tommy and Nikki or Tommy and Vince fight a lot, and then they'll be cool. And then Nikki and Vince will fight. Right now they've got like a big lawsuit with Mick Mars, who's kind of booted off the off the tour. Why is Mick suing him? Well, um, because Mick is a statue. So they he's, had come he's out. He's turning into a rock person, and he should be cool about it. Well, yeah, yeah. So, 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 kind of what happened there was they had said um, his disease had settled. He was as far gone as it would go, and that he was healthy to tour. Well, then um, they had come out, and they're like, um, you know, just because of health issues and stuff, I'm I'm going to retire, and uh, John Five's going to take my place. And everybody's like, okay, cool, because John Five is an awesome person and an awesome guitarist. Um. And then all of a sudden this lawsuit comes out where he basically said he was forced out and um, said like there was no reason. And then he's like diming them all out. He's saying like Nikki doesn't play the bass live. It's all tracked and Tommy's drums are tracked and all this crap. And um, uh, really what, what, it, uh, what it sounds like is that um, Mick is... I like how, hold on, let's just, let's just uh, <laughs> pretend that this is true for a moment and that the drums are tracked the bass is tracked. Yeah. Why would Vince not track his voice then? You Which, know what I mean? If everyone is tracking, but Vince is like, no. Shout out to Vince Neil. I love you, Vince, no matter what anybody says. And you are the bro, man for not tracking your vocals bro, like other bands do. Bro, never get in shape. <laughs> okay? Never go to a voice coach. Never strengthen your vocals. Keep doing you. It's what Dude, it's what we love. Other bands track their vocals. My homie does not. Vince does not. Vince is the real deal. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, and like how you how you would track because people would be like, how do you fake drums? You could just track in the fill fills and stuff like that. Like a lot of albums do that. Like on the on the actual album, they'll overlay it. And stuff. Dude, like that. I want to start a band where I don't we don't play any instruments. Other people do lay down the tracks, and then we just we get to basically do karaoke. Oh, so we'll be like every band from the Laurel Canyon in the '60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, seventy two. Nick Mars is seventy two years old. Dude, at some point you just gotta go. And like, why are you suing? Nikki's like, sixty four. So close to death. You're Vince is sixty two. Knock, knock, knocking on. So <laughs> hell's so door. Well, here's some of what they were saying. Because then, then the band kind of came out and they're like, "We did not want to speak out against Mick," because they've always had a soft spot for Mick, obviously. And yeah. they're like, "We didn't want to speak out against Mick," but they're like. Dude, he was he would mess up the band. He was getting lost in in the in the songs. He would get lost in the solo. Um, other, the, it's kind of sounded like I could be wrong on this, but it kind of sounded like they had to have a guitar tech who stood on the side of the stage. And if Mick would mess up, like this guitar had to like mute him and then like finish it out. So it sounds like things are pretty rough. Now these are just finger pointing at this point, and there's going to be a big lawsuit because Mick is saying like I own a quarter of this business, and you guys aren't. Um, I, like I deserve to be compensated for everything. Cause I think that they're like, well, now that you're not touring, you're not getting any of this tour money. Yeah. That's John, that's John five right there. And, um, so he does wear scary makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's John five play for Manson. He's such a nice guy when I met him. So nice. So awesome. So happy. I got to meet John. Five. Do you think that he wanted to wear the makeup? Was he wearing makeup? Uh, do the Motley Crue guys wear makeup? Sometimes uh, well, Nikki will paint his face. Well, they wear eyeshadow. Yeah, eyeshadow is cool. Sometimes Nikki will paint his face. I like, I like, like, I like painting my face for that episode we did on this. Like, I would, I'll 100% hit the stage on the. Uh, I'll, I'll hit the stage at some point with I'm a face I'm scared painted. of you when your face is painted. You should, dude, you should be scared of me without it. Uh, <laughs> so that was cool. A um, veiled threat? And then, dude, uh, and then uh, the other thing that we're, you want to talk about a little bit. Um, was that I got a lead role in a short film about boxing, and I was going to talk a little bit oh, yeah. about yeah about um that because I go to this audition in a warehouse, probably the sketchiest audition I ever did. Um, they had me shadow box a little bit, asked me some questions, and um, I was on my way. But I was going to tell Were you, you able? Did they tell you to take your clothes off? Uh, they didn't. They didn't ask me to take my shirt off. They asked me if I would take my shirt off during like the boxing scenes, and I was like, "Well, yeah, of course. It's it's a boxing film, you know." Um, but you got to keep your pants on. But yeah, 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 they didn't have me take my shirt it's off legit, or anything at the uh, at the audition. It's a legit um, audition. But a uh, movie. so I was going to tell you how I kind of how I prepare for roles because I was asking Randy about this and uh, um, you know how how he prepared for roles, and we didn't really get too much into it with him. But I've got this random notebook I grabbed from my in-laws, right? And so what I do, whenever I do a roll... And the notebook says man up. It says man up, first Peter. It's like a Bible verse. So what I do for a roll, I'll show you. So I did a short film called Hell's Gold, which was a Western, right? And so for that, what I do is I'll put Hell's Gold at the top, and then I write questions that I have about the character. What movies or character is this script inspired by? Is my character Catholic or Baptist? Because I knew that the character was religious, so what religion? You know, what year does this happen? How does he carry his gun? Um, his comfort level with guns. So I was, you know, talking to the director, and she's like, I think he's got a backstory where he's in the Civil War. Well, that's good to know, because so then I can kind of come in and say, well, what did he do in the Civil War? So then I make a watch list of, like, every Western ever, and I sit here and I, I find I watch these until I find something that I can really dial in on. Um, 
And then I make a reading list as well. So like Hell's Gold reading list. So I immediately, once, once I know I'm getting a role, that's what I do to, to start the process of getting prepared. I reach out to the director and I say, you know, what films or scripts, uh, what shows, whatever, what, ins- what this maybe is- inspire this or inspire the character? What should I watch? Like, what are you looking for? What style? What theme? And I get that from the this director. This is after the Civil War. So, well, that, so the, the, um, the Western film that I did took place after the Civil War. So what I did was I found a book on, um, I think it might have been called Living Hell, but I could be wrong. Um, but I found a book on like the horrors of Civil War because sometimes it could be overlooked. But if you think about it, obviously that would be like the most horrific thing to be injured at a time when they didn't know about germs. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> so, it would be the worst. Uh, and they were just shooting like round balls into each other. So I, I like read this book, and then I would I would think like, okay, when my character closes his eyes, this is what he sees. And so I'm like reading this book, and I'm thinking it through. I'm watching these documentaries, and I'm trying to get this kind of stuff in my mind because I I need to I I want what's what was in the character's mind in my mind, right? This I don't consider this like method acting. I don't know what you even technically call that, but I didn't become the cowboy, right? So um. For that role, I'm watching these westerns, watching a variety of them, A Fistful of Dollars, um, Blazing Saddles. I watched Wild Wild West, even. Um, with Will Smith <laughs> yeah, and Chris dude. Klein? What do yeah. you mean that has nothing to do with the Civil War? It's no, like space trains. No, no, no. This, because it's not a... It, it's, my character is a veteran of the Civil War. Um, it's not a Civil War short film. It's, it's basically about a cowboy who, who uh, is super religious and... Um, these robbers are trying to swindle him out of some gold that he found, right? And they try to use... Wild West, Desperado. They try to use uh, religion for it. Now, what I realized with the script for this one in particular was that I was going to be kind of like the alpha male character and that these other two characters were nervous in my presence, right? So I'm watching the movie and I, I watched it when, I was, when it first came out. I was in like probably seventh grade, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Came out in 2007 with Brad Pitt playing Jesse James. Um, I watched that movie as a kid, didn't really like it. I watched it as an adult, fall in love with it. It's literally now one of my favorite movies, potentially in my top five. And there's a couple scenes where uh, Jesse James is talking to these guys and they're terrified of him and they're trying to keep it cool. And it very much reminded me of how this film was going to go. And there's a couple of facial expressions he did, which I completely, like I practiced doing the expressions like he did. Very subtle stuff, very, very subtle stuff. But I would practice these facial expressions like he did because I thought they were so like perfect. Um, one of them is in the scene where the guy had kind of, he's figuring out one of them might have snitched on him and he's like, why are you being so squirrely, Ed? Or something like that. And um, like the way that he's watching this character and the way how uncomfortable the character is and how he's maybe feeding off of it a little bit or maybe how he doesn't even notice that they're not comfortable around him. Like that's the kind of thing, like I need a scene like that that I can just sit there and like watch over and over again. And um, so that's kind of like what I'm looking for. So I instantly with this boxing film, I start that up, start making a, a reading list, a watch list, you know, questions I have about the character. One of the things, one of the things that I need to do with this character is figure out how to add um, some more depth to him. You know, so I got to come up with the backstory. So I'm studying boxers, studying fighters, um, all of that. So that is kind of my process of how I, of how I get into character. People have different ways to do it. The other thing I like to do is I make a playlist. 
I make a playlist of either songs that I think the character would listen to or songs that remind me of the character or songs that get me excited for the role. I'll make a playlist of that. And um, I, haven't, I haven't started it for this character yet, um, but I, I will really soon here. And then that way when I work out, when I do things like that, um, it helps me get in the role. So what is the, what's the role? Like the bar, like what is the movie about? Um, it's interesting. It's about a boxer who uses boxing as a form of self-harm. Okay. So I'll keep it at that, I guess. But um, it's going to be by um, some people who I've worked with before. Um, last time I worked with them, they were very professional, very legit. Looks like a, looks like a real movie. It doesn't look like a guy recording it on his phone. Um, I've auditioned for movies. I've been in short films. You never quite know what you're going to get. Um, I think everybody I've worked with has been cool. Um, some more professional than others in certain aspects of things. But overall, you know, great experience. But there's always a chance that you could have a bad experience with it. So I wasn't even going to do any more short films because you and I have got stuff that we're trying to get made, right? So I was just focused on our stuff. But when I saw this and I'm like, this is a boxing short film? Like there, So I'm in, I've done a comedy. I've done a horror short film. And honestly, that horror short film is like a half hour long, um, so pretty long for a short film. And then I've done the, um, done the Western, yeah. where I'm like riding a horse and I'm wearing old cowboy clothes and stuff like that. Like, There's not a lot of opportunities where, you, like us being in Nebraska, where you're going to get such a like, diverse you know, range of, of roles like that. And that looks good for a reel, you know what I mean? Um, but then for a boxing one, even more so, you know, because we're going to be in a ring, we're going to be at an actual boxing club doing this thing so it's gonna look great i think i was obviously excited That'd be about cool. that so if it's basically a guy that does boxing for self-harm like you're gonna get punched in the face a lot probably well i was kind of going for um i if was they, if they cast all the roles do they need someone to punch you in the face i i was going for um kind of the crazier character and then um when i saw i'll be honest like when i saw that i was kind of getting like what would be essentially like the main character i was kind of like Oh man, because I was thinking about this other one, and then I realized, like, wait, there's there's so much I can do with this. There's so, and then I was like, really excited because then I realized, like, wait, I've got a lot of fight scenes, a lot of uh, stuff that we're gonna have to choreograph, a um, lot of screen time, um, maybe a little bit less lines, but still a lot, you know, still a good amount. And then I was like excited for it. So I mean, I mean, I'm even. Um, like for this role, I'm just gonna do boxing workouts too. Like, you know, like the, the trying to get my body in the proper. I gotta look like a boxer, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You gotta like um, axe wood. So I think I'm gonna go. Big, I told them. It's a big I, part of training. I told them when they when we were doing the casting, I said I think this role is a uh, middleweight, and so I'm gonna try to stick to that 170 to 180 range. And they're like, Yeah, okay, cool. I told them, I'm like, I can go lighter if you want. And they're like, whoa, no, no. They're like, like they were, and I'm like, I'm not going to drop 30 pounds for the roll, but if you need me to get to like 160, I could do it. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to, but I could, you know, or if they wanted me to get up to 180, um, that would be hard. That would, that would, I don't know if I could do that. Like to gain 10 pounds of like legit muscle in a month would be. HGH, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like in a, in a way that, that doesn't, I, I don't want to do. Look, I, I really believe... Mickey Rourke did it for the wrestler. Dude, I think that steroids should be legal in sports. I think that anybody should be able to do steroids and talk about it. I just don't, I just don't want to. But I really wish that actors would just come out and be like, I'm on testosterone. Because then what happens is they go on muscle and fitness and they're like, here was my workout and diet. and This is how I got it. 
and then you like I've done this so many times in my life. Then I try to replicate what they did, and I don't get the results that they did, and I'm yeah. like, what the hell? Well, yeah, you need dude, the needle, bro. You yeah, need the needle. Yeah, it's because they're they they've got um like testosterone or, or different types of uh and all that's cool. I think it's I, like I'm okay with that. I'd yeah, they just, were cool with it in the 70s and 80s. Just Even say, Arnold's like, just say it. it. Just say that that's what you do, so that way kids aren't like, so that way high schoolers aren't out there trying to replicate what you do and then getting discouraged because they can't pull it right. off. And like the high school kids need to know that they need they have to go to Mexico <laughs> to buy oh, the yeah, medicine. When you're in high school, you should have so much testosterone going through your body. Like I wouldn't like look. And, and here's a high school kids don't do testosterone and shit like that don't don't do it just stick with um stick with the protein powder maybe and stick with uh creatine don't don't go on stacks and stuff like that right when you get older you can but i don't want to do anything that's going to mess with um you know like my like but could potentially mess with my actual testosterone and stuff like that i mean like i ate a little red meat so um i feel like a caveman half of the time like i you know so i think i'm good in that in that aspect but but anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, you know to get in shape for this role. I, I work out and obviously do jujitsu a lot anyway. I'm just gonna be more consistent, maybe more careful about what I eat. For instance, this morning, I wanted to grab a handful of M and M's on the way out of the house, and I was like, can't do it. Got to get in shape for this boxing role. So you know, even though you know it's a short film, you got to realize like these short films go around to a lot of festivals, legit festivals. They get seen by legit people. Um, and I also, I do this, I, like I take this stuff so seriously because I love it. Like I love, like I like to play music live, right? I like to record music. And I thought that I, I thought like, man, this is really what I, I love to do. And I do. But when I started to act on film, it was like, wow, like I really, really, really enjoy this. Like I, I absolutely love it. So people always say like, do you get paid or this or that? It's like, usually it costs me money to do a short film because I invest in stuff. Like I invest in, like I, there was one role, the, the sh- it ended up getting canceled, but I played a, I played a veteran whose brother was a veteran and his brother had died. And like, I went out and got custom dog tags made of like his brother um, and, and all this stuff. Like I'll go like invest in the costume if I, or, or, you know, whatever, if I don't think that, um, the production has the, has the budget for it, I'll spend my money to do it because I just love it. So start to wrap it up. You got, you got any comedy dates you want to push here? <clears throat> yeah, man. I'm going to be at the Lark theater on August 26th at 8 PM. And that's in Hastings, Nebraska. So there you go. Tickets at Eventbrite. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, come check it out. Cool and our next episode after this, is the hilarious Dave Landau. Gang, gang, The Dave boy. Landau deposition, I yeah. call it, just because of how it was filmed. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Uh, like and subscribe to keep us alive, Toolshed Art Club, and uh, mildly, softly, click the subscribe button. Don't, don't break a mouse or a keyboard or anything. Just click the button like a normal person and subscribe, please. Please. Thank you. Just like this. Just pot. <laughs>